This is Mike Quinlan, and you are listening to the Business Owner Transition Podcast. There is one constant in business, and that is that every one of us will eventually exit, and sometimes sooner than we think. In this podcast, we discuss topics to help you with elite preparation, so when you're ready for transition, you won't just exit, you will join that exclusive group of owners who have accomplished an elite exit. We talk with former owners, exit advisors, and a host of other experts to help you increase the value of your exit, execute it on your terms, and most importantly, do it without regret. So let's join the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Business Owner Transition Podcast. And today, I've got Mike DeWitt with me. Mike is a CFA, which is a Chartered Financial Analyst. He's also a CEXP, which is a Certified Exit Planner. And Mike is a Senior Partner at CI Brightworth. And he's also a Senior Instructor with the Business Owner Transition Academy, or Tabota. So he works not only teaching people about exit, but he also helps do consulting around the exit process and helping our clients achieve the elite exit. Mike, good morning, and thanks for coming on the show. Sure thing, Mike. Great to be with you. So today we're going to talk about one of the requirements that we have as we start to work with either clients or as we're bringing people through the academy. And that requirement is some form of valuation. And that valuation form is largely dependent on a couple of things. One of those is where are you in the life cycle of your business? Are you a mid-stage growth company? Are you a late-stage transition company that is contemplating making some type of exit in the next couple of years? And one of the things to think about is that these valuations may be a little bit different depending on your exit path. And Mike's going to talk a little bit more about that. But again, as you look at the statistics out there, Mike, what is the, how many business owners, what percentage of business owners actually do any kind of formal valuation work? Yeah, so it's impossible to know exactly, but you know, there's millions of small businesses out there. And uh, some of the research we uh, look at, Mike, suggests maybe 20, 25% uh, of business owners have done a formal valuation. So 20, 25% have done a formal valuation. Most of these business owners feel pretty confident in how much their company is worth. Where do they get that information? Yeah, sure. So uh, because we're talking about private businesses and, and you're not relating to the publicly traded markets, a lot of it is um, from from uh, questionable sources. I mean, some of it is word of mouth. You know, their buddies in the industry who have sold um, at a particular time. Uh, there are some uh, industries and subsets of industries that generally trade on a kind of rule of thumb, you know, so many times revenues or so much time EBITDA profit or something like that. Um, and, and those can be helpful, uh, but, you know, given different geographies, different market, uh, you, you know, uh, environments that we're in, th- those can also be way off. That's where you get it. So it's not a, a good place to value company. Your company is not at the golf club or at the, at the cocktail party, correct? Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, in both of those environments, I, I think we found uh, the valuations tend to get elevated. Uh, if if anything, they're on the high side, and uh, so that's that's something to know too. Yeah, that's right. And and listen, just being serious here for a moment, the number one thing that M and A professionals report 
is that business owners have have greatly overvalued their companies. Their expectations of value are are too high. So it is important to go through this process early so you gain some understanding around where you should be when you actually get to that kind of exit window. So let me turn it over to you a little bit, Mike, and tell us why we've talked a little bit about why it's important, but tell us some more about why it's important. Yeah, sure. You know, as the old saying goes, if you uh, don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. And uh, there's at least, you know, three reasons I can think of that doing some valuation work um, makes sense. First and foremost, it's critical uh, for most business owners, at least to their personal financial planning. So tying this this baby of theirs, this company they've been running, maybe started, maybe been running for years um, to the success of their own you know, family. Uh, and and their financial needs down the road. Something like 80% of business owners plan to retire on the proceeds from the sale of their business. Yet, just like you said, maybe 20, 25% have a real idea of what their business is worth. So it's, it's, and and most are overestimating that value. So it's really critical to tie um, that personal financial need. If they have that, there are some business owners who are serial entrepreneurs and they're going to go on to do something else. But for a lot of business owners, when they get to this exit, that's it, right? This is the home run. And they need to make sure uh, that the financial resources are there to, to meet their future goals. And so, um, you know, one of the things I think is critical along those lines, you, you touched on it, but it's doing personal financial planning. And, uh, you know, uh, on the, the business owner services side of Brightworth, we actually require that along with that business valuation. So that's part of our initial uh, personal and business readiness at the beginning of, of engaging with a client. Um, and something like 40% of business owners work with a financial advisor. So, you know, I would just encourage owners, whether whether you do or you're doing some version of this yourself, you know, have a pretty good idea um, answering the three big questions we call them, you know, to whom do you want to sell? When would you like to sell? And for how much do you need to sell? And that last question is obviously what is driving this whole valuation um, you know, concept. So getting an idea of if there's a gap, we call it the wealth gap between my personal assets today and what my business is worth and what I need to get to get out of the sale of my business in order to meet my financial goals. And uh, knowing what that gap is, if it exists, is, is critically important. A second reason is for protection. You know, uh, something like half of business owners don't have any life insurance. So thinking about that succession planning, oftentimes the owner is is one, of, if not the key employee, they are one of the, the key employees. And what happens if someone something were to happen in terms of a, a premature death or disability, that kind of thing. So in order to get that insurance and know that you're properly insured, obviously you need to know the value of what we're trying to insure. So that's another reason to do that valuation work. Um, and a third reason I would mention, this has been coming up more and more in conversations lately, is knowing the potential for our business. You know, how do we compare to our peers? Uh, we've talked about, at least while we're, we're sitting here today in, in June of 2022, uh, the publicly traded markets are having a, a bit of indigestion this year, and that's spilling over to the private markets. And one of the things you want to do in looking at an exit on the private side is to make sure that you are, uh, you know, the best business on the block to be attractive to potential buyers in a, in a more volatile uh, market. And, and of course, in order to, to do that and know how you compare, you need to know what you look like um, compared to other businesses. So that's another good reason to do this valuation work. 
Let me just summarize for a second. One of them is understanding the expectations around what your value might really be and doing all of that personal planning so that you can understand whether or not there's going to be a value gap uh, generated prior to this retirement or transfer period. And one quick point about this is that many businesses out there are in low multiple type environments. So they may have a market value that is maybe two times their EBITDA. Other businesses, technology businesses, et cetera, may be in a situation where they're 10, 12, 14 times their EBITDA. And you always hear about these multiples out there. And I'm interested in your comments on those because I, I generally tell all our students and our, and our clients that they're not allowed to use the word multiple until the mm -hmm. cocktail party after they've gotten done. So what do you think about that low multiple versus high multiple conversation and what owners tend to believe? Yeah, no, it's a great point. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's akin to real estate, right? You know, uh, a, a, uh, if you look at the per square foot cost to build a home in rural America versus at the beach or the lake or, or wherever else, it can be drastically different for the exact same house with the exact same materials, right? So it depends on the piece of dirt you put it in. And um, it's the exact same with businesses uh, in, a, in a more stable environment where interest rates are not moving around, inflation's not on the rise, valuations are not changing. Um, there's a tighter band, right, of the expected multiples that you might be in. But even in that environment, it's gonna vary widely industry to industry. Um, and again, that speaks to part of the danger of comparing, you know, my buddy down the street who sold the exact same looking business, right? Looks on the outside uh, the same, but what's going on internally in the business that, that can have a huge impact on the multiple on a, on a business that looks the same. Yeah, sure. So that was the first point. The second point I wanted to make was that the succession planning piece, you know, in the run-up period, let's say you are working on your business in the three to four years prior to the actual exit date, look at the risk that you have from an asset protection standpoint for your family during that period of time. If you don't have that coverage in place, and you and I are not sale, uh, you know, insurance guys, and we don't sell insurance, we look at insurance as a tool to cover shortfalls in value during very specific periods of time. And, you know, it's not a whole lot of fun. And we've seen this before where an owner, something has happened to an owner in the run-up period and the family now experiences a significant loss of value because that owner is gone. So that's a, that's a great point that you bring up for number two. And then number three is how do we compare to our peers and the thing I would add to that is how do we continue to build transferable value, right? You just, you said it. How do you be the top of that, of that group of people that you're trying to sell to all of those private equity companies and public companies and individuals out there that have a bunch of capital that they're trying to deploy? So let's go through and let's talk about now the second thing we talked about why it's important now let's talk about how, how do you actually get evaluation yeah great great question we talked about the rule of thumb and the golf course chatter um, th there's a a more structured way to do this and that's a formal business valuation so there are experts uh, and we work with a number of them who uh, generally have a 
a CPA background, real, real deep in the financials, and they will come in and do a full-blown valuation of a business. Um, and they tend to be, you know, fairly accurate. Um, it's garbage in, garbage out. But if you give them all the data, um, they take that along with all the information they have, um, and they can come up with a fairly decent um, assessment of what the business is probably worth. One thing about that is, though, and this is why a lot of business owners haven't done evaluation. There's two big reasons. One is it's not cheap. Okay, it it can cost five, ten, uh, even fifteen, twenty thousand dollars to have these experts come in and do this full valuation. Um, and the second reason is it's pretty time consuming and it's intrusive. There's several weeks generally of someone or some people combing through your books and records and your financials. And, you know, look, you're a business owner, you're busy running your business. It's, it's usually not until we hit whatever magic event or age happens that we look for the easy button and we're ready to sell or the unexpected offer comes in, right? You mentioned all the cash sloshing around in the markets right now. And so there are a lot of business owners who are just happy plugging away. They've got a great little business or big business and uh, they have no intention of selling. But all of a sudden here comes a, an unsolicited letter of intent and you got to do something with that, right? I have to, to process that. And so anyhow, that, that cost and that time consumption of, of doing the valuation is um is what leads a lot to just kind of punting down the road um so that's 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 a, a big hang up for a lot of people the valuation advisors that are out there there may be a cva so to make that clear and use aviation terms that's charlie victor alpha cva right and they do different types of valuations correct yes right and so generally, I mean, there's several different, but the, the, there's three main uh, types of valuation. One is going to be um, on an asset sale. So assuming, and this is the vast majority of small businesses, say under $10 million, um, that's going to include a valuation of all the inventory, fixed assets, intangibles. Um, it's going to exclude the illiquid uh, fin or the liquid financial assets, sorry, and all their debt. So in other words, the seller is going to keep the cash and the receivables, but they deliver a, a company that's free of debt. Um, and, you, and your buyer is now going to operate, you know, as a new legal entity. It's kind of the home analogy is, you know, asset value is like uh, open market uh, value on your home. And then you pay off your mortgage when you sell your house. That's what you put in your pocket. Um, the other kind is uh, or the second valuation method is, a, is a enterprise value or, or stock sale. That includes all the above, plus the liquid financial assets and, and the liability. So, in other words, the buyer is acquiring the whole entity, all the assets and liabilities. These are generally your middle market companies over 10, 10 million in, in valuation typically. Um, finally, the third approach is very different and one that we don't usually want to be using is liquidation value. Um, so that's just kind of assuming uh, there's an insolvency or, or just, you know, there are businesses that um, don't have a saleable value. They're not an ongoing concern. Um, they're a, a fine, um, you know, lifestyle income producer. And then when you get done with that income production, you, you know, turn the keys, uh, liquidate whatever assets and go on about your business. And again, back to the personal financial readiness, if you're in that type of business uh, and you have the financial assets such that whatever you've saved up plus whatever that liquidation value is meets all your financial goals, that's perfectly fine. And, and that can be a, a, you know, a, a way to go. Got it. So how do we use 
valuation at the academy for the students and also for the uh, the consulting clients that we have in Tomoda? Yeah, great question. So in addition to all the things we've been talking about, one of the primary things that we're doing with valuation is using it to drive value up over time. So again, there's there's either a wealth gap between what it's worth today and what we need to realize our financial goals, um, or in the current envir- environment, like we said, there's uh, pressure on multiples and margins, and so maybe valuations have come down. So we want to use all the tools at our disposal to make sure that we're driving value up. And so one of the things we do, and you alluded to it earlier, is you know just like personal financial planning, this is not a one-time thing you do, throw it on a shelf, and well, that's the valuation. Now we, we don't have to do that again, thank goodness. Um, and it's uh, you know, one of the, re- the uh, things we do is come back to this uh, with our uh, Taboda participants and our consulting uh, clients and do this at least on an annual basis to get an idea of what that value is so that we can track it over time and then so that we can um, help advise clients on what are the particular value drivers that we can work on to, to improve that valuation. So um, our frequent listeners will be familiar with another aviation terminology you use, the I'm good checklist. Um, and that's going through a series of uh, things that are um, related to driving value. Um, one of those, the, one of the O in I'm good is optimized financial statements. So this speaks to a lot of what comes out in the valuation, um, seeing how the books and records are kept, what the capital structure is, and what improvements we need to make on that side. Got it. So the I'm good checklist, since you mentioned it, I'm just going to go over it and refresh people's memory just real quick. And then you can talk about how the evaluation assessment that we use actually addresses many of these areas through the uh, the metrics that are associated and are generated and are provided to the um, to the learner and also to the cl- or client through the valuation assessment. So the first one is increasing cash flow. The second one is the M is institutionalizing the management team, making management more effective. The third one is growth. The G is growth, and that is documenting your forward growth plan and company strategy. The first O is optimizing financial statements. The second O is optimizing and documenting processes. And then the last one is D is a diverse customer base. So what I'd like for you to do, and I know you're going to share your screen here for the people that are watching this, uh, you'll be able to see this on the screen. For those of you that are listening to the podcast, I have this attached as a attachment. You'll be able to download that along with the the uh, podcast and be able to look at this in hard copy. So Mike, if you want to go ahead and share your screen and then talk us through these, the you know, kind of what that valuation looks like. And then also some of these other um, key metrics that might be generated and how they apply to the I'm good checklist. Yeah, sure. And b- before we do that, maybe I'll just kind of set up what it is we're going to be looking at here, Mike, we talked about, you know, the formal business valuation, which is is really, you know, generally accurate, but is also pretty expensive and, and time consuming. Um, and so that's that's using, you know, again, uh, income based approaches. So whether it's discounted cash flow or a market uh, uh, approach, you know, looking at comparable sales and that kind of thing. 
Um, and so one thing that we are very excited about at Tabota is we have invested in a software company um, that has a patented system. Um, it also provides a pretty accurate assessment of value, but at the, a fraction of the time and cost of a formal valuation. And it's important to distinguish, we haven't really talked about this, but um, there are uh, this valuation assessment that we do annually with our clients um, provides a pretty good range, we found a pretty accurate range of what the business is actually worth. Um, but we don't use it for uh, you know, estate planning, transfer of value, the actual sale. If you're, if you're in an imminent sale uh, situation, you're definitely going to want a formal valuation because the, 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 um, the buyer is looking for that. Um, there are other parties that, you know, may be interested in seeing, but as a, as an annual assessment kind of thing, again, this, this software that we have invested in, um, it's harnessing uh, the power of big data. They've got uh, uh, data on millions and millions of real-time transactions in specific geographies, in specific industries. And so um, it's using that to give a pretty good assessment um, evaluation. So I will share, uh, as you suggested, my screen with um, what this looks like. And just and so as here. you're doing that, the, uh, the idea here is that we're just generating insights and intel for our clients and students around what are the, what does the general value look like? Does it present a valuation gap that when it's applied to your personal planning and we kind of create this whole balance sheet approach where we're taking the client's business balance sheet and overlaying it on their personal balance sheet. And then also how do they stack up with other people in their industry and what areas might they be able to improve on that are tied to the I'm good checklist that directly impact the transferable value of their company. Is that correct? That's exactly right. Yep. And, and when you, um, by the way, when you go through this process, uh, our, our clients and anyone who, who uh, engages in this is going to receive a report that looks like the sample we're showing you here. It's about a 25 page report. Um, it's got a lot of information in it that's educational in value. Um, it talks a lot about or covers a lot of what we've been talking about in terms of the methodology of calculating valuation, why it's important. Um, and we'll just skip down to right at about page uh, six or so. You'll see a, a snapshot here of uh, the valuation estimate for the company on the three different metrics of asset, enterprise, and liquidation value. Importantly, you'll see over time as uh, we do this valuation annually, the change in valuation, hopefully an increase uh, over time. And it, it feels a little bit like Zillow, you know, this, I kind of call this Zillow for your business. Um, and it gives you a fairly uh, accurate snapshot. Again, this happens to be an example of a, uh, a general purpose machinery manufacturing company. We plug in the SIC code, um, you give some financials, um, and you get, uh, well, it, it first will uh, summarize all the financials that you've put in so we can make sure that those are all accurate um, with your particular business. Um, and then, so to your, your point, one of the things that we're getting out of uh, this report are some key um, uh, performance indicators or KPIs where we can use for both review over history, right, of how you're performing, um, but also how you compare to um, industry benchmarks. There are several broad categories here, but there's about 13 specific KPIs that we will track over time um, and help you look at uh, 
just to, to pull one up, return on equity. That's a very common, you know, easy to understand. It's just uh, giving you the amount of net income as a percent of the shareholder's equity. Um, it's pretty uh, useful in terms of comparing a company's profitability, you know, to your peers. And to your point earlier, higher growth companies are going to have a higher higher ROI. Um, but again, when you get down to comparing to your specific industry, you can see, um, you know, what your particular company is at and what the the industry um, uh, metrics. And it'll tell you a quick little uh, handy cheat sheet on all of these KPIs right down here in the bottom left is whether you're underperforming, outperforming, or at the industry average. In, in this example, or ROEs for manufacturing con- contracting companies, um, they're you know hitting a 40, 50% ROE, which is great in this particular industry. Um, another key one for, for a lot of companies, you know, it's cash conversion, receivables conversion. How many days does it take to collect my receivables? Um, and so, you know, this is uh, w- one that we use, you know, on, on a, a higher time period. There may be, you know, some if inefficiencies in collecting our receivables if, if we're, you know, under if we're below performing the industry. Um, in this case, again, 30 something days, you know, they're they're pretty, pretty uh, efficient in their industry in terms of turning over cash. This one is important because it really goes to cash conversion cycle, right? How much cash you could have at any one time. Yeah, exactly. And that speaks uh, directly into working capital requirements. And as we get into the sales process, you know, how, how big that number is that we're, we're having to look at with the, with the buyer. Yep. Um, inventory, similarly, showing you how quickly inventory is being turned over. A really low uh, turnover ratio is, you know, probably excessive inventory. Maybe you got your pricing off. Um, maybe you're not, you know, building uh, the correct inventories at the correct times. Um, a higher ratio is, uh, you know, probably lost sales. Um, uh, you know, if you've got, I mean, on the extreme of perishable goods like a grocery store, that's really high inventory turnover, right? You've got to get that stuff on the shelf and get it out. Um, but, you know, again, um, good, good uh, comparison to industry averages. Fixed asset turnover, you know, how, what's the ability on these fixed assets to generate net sales? Um, so the higher the ratio, the more productive the fixed assets really important in a, in an example like this in the manufacturing industry. So, um, you know, there's, as I said, 13 of these, many of them get into debt as this is debt, debt to equity, um, interest rate coverage, you know, how much, uh, cash, um, do I have on hand to cover my, um, annual interest expenses? That's really important. Uh, buyers are looking at in the current environment where rates are rising. And, you know, if, if my, if my debt is high and it's all, uh, you know, variable rate, well, that, that could be becoming a problem here as we, you know, get into a higher rate in, environment. So, um, so yeah, this uh, report, uh, I'm going to stop sharing so I can uh, see you again. And uh, as we, we talked about, you know, when we engage in this process, um, it's, it's fairly easy, at least relative to the, the full valuation um, for our participants and our clients to enter in their financial information. They can also share a link, by the way. Um, it's a secure link that can go to your CPA or your CFO, whoever has this information. And again, if it's internal, you probably want to, uh, you may want to have a conversation around why you're doing this. You know, you may not be in the imminent stages of wanting to sell the business, but you know, like, hey, these are some things we always tell people who are not interested in selling yet. That's great but these are things that you can use today to drive value that will help your business be more efficient and productive, whether or not your, your sale is imminent. 
But at any rate, they can help you with um, the input of this information. I should also say, just by the way, um, because of the environment we're living in, uh, this software we use has very stringent security measures. Um, it's going to keep data safe and private. It's hosted by Amazon Web Services. Um, it's certified by Microsoft. There's no sensitive personal or business information that's collected or stored on any kind of account identifiers or anything like that. So, um, and also this, this software importantly does not uh, move money or do business transactions. Okay. So unlike a bank or, you know, a brokerage firm or something, there's no money going in and out that makes it less vulnerable. Generally, you know, cyber criminals are not, not really as interested. So um, just want to make sure and make that uh, point there. But at any rate, we go in, enter in the information, whether we do it on behalf of the client, we've got their financials and tax, tax returns and whatnot, or they do it themselves. In about 24 to 48 hours, we're going to generate this 25 page report that we've been talking about. Three big takeaways from what you just said. Number one is that this information is used for informational purposes only and assessment purposes only by the owner to make better business decisions, right? Exactly. And then number two is that it is designed to help that owner that may be in a mid-stage growth period, right? Or in a run-up period that's long enough to really affect change, create a better and more attractive company for the buyer set that may be evaluating them. And then number three is that while every business is different, the ratios that are generated are a very, very quick and easy way for buyers to evaluate companies fast. The buying groups out there, they need to deploy capital and they need to do it as efficiently as possible. So, you know, some of the first cuts that they're going to take on, on your company are, let me just see what the ratios look like. Yep. So you as a CFA, you know that ratio analysis is pretty cut and dry. And, and if you know what your ratios should be, or if you know what your ratios look like against what the other population of like companies are, and you can get them so that you're the one that's looked at first. And when they do that quick view of ratios at the uh, private equi equity company or at the, the strategic that is trying to buy you, you make that first cut. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. And, you know, let's don't forget, too, the, the uh, financial guys, we love the math and we love the numbers. And that's all very sort of sterile and, you know, calculable and, and uh, easy to get to. But there are all these other value drivers, you know, you alluded to. A lot of those are more soft issues, right? Institutionalizing management. Well, what does that big mouthful mean? You know, we got to we have to have people in place so that we can take the proverbial, you know, six month vacation and the business continues to run, you know, smoothly. Well, there's a lot involved in that in terms of, you know, training and, and perhaps hiring the right people and, um, you know, documenting cash flow plans, getting what's in my head down onto paper so that, you know, a lot of businesses, they grow to the point where I've kind of done all I can with the capital I have available. But if I have a good vision for the future, because all these these KPIs and all these financials, right, are really looking at the past other than maybe the next 12 months forecast. But what the buyer cares about, we always talk about, right, is the cash flow and the certainty of that cash flow continuing. So if I've got a good documented plan for that on paper, that's another one of those drivers you mentioned. So anyhow, just wanted to make that point. This, these are all important, but they really speak kind of mainly to that one on the I'm good checklist, the optimized financials. It seems to me that 
the majority, yeah, there's how many metrics are on that thing? There's 16? Yeah, 13, I think. Okay. So you've got a bunch of them and they address various parts of the balance sheet and also the uh, the uh, P&L, right? Yeah, that's and right. And so all of those numbers that are on the balance sheet and the P&L are really generated from the IMGA checklist, right? That's right. They're yeah. generated from operations. They're generated from growth. They're generated from management efficiency and mm -hmm. effectiveness. All of these things contribute to the numbers that are being inputted into this system so that you can drive valuation. You know, some of the other things that drive value have to do with strategic alignment of the company. There's reasons that people pay more for a company that you may not be fully aware of. It may be because they're trying to generate a footprint in a certain geography. It could be for a whole variety of reasons, but what you can control are the things that are being demonstrated and revealed in this valuation assessment that Mike is doing for our students and for our clients. So Mike, let me just uh, offer up, do you have, uh, what, what final takeaways do you have with regard to the valuation assessment and the three things that we talked about, why it's important, what's the best way to get it, and how do you do it? Yeah, again, I, I would just reiterate that um, it's really important, right, as we're running our business and we're busy in the day-to-day -to, -day to pick your head up every now and then and not only do some, you know, kind of strategic planning, um, but include in that evaluation assessment periodically. And the, the uh, software that we're using through BizEquity is a, is a terrific tool to do that. Um, if uh, business owners out there who aren't current clients uh, want to visit our uh, website, theowneracademy.com. Scroll down on the front page and you can see a tab for valuation. Go in there and we will normally charge like $800 or so to do evaluation as a one-time, you know, kind of assessment. There's another program to do this ongoing, which is what we would recommend. Um, but it's, a, it's an easy way to get started. Uh, if you go in there, engage with us in that way, uh, like I said, at 24 to 48 hours, you'll receive that valuation report. Um, it also includes an hour sitting down with us to talk about uh, your business and any concerns you have. We can point out um, some things that that report reveals. And it's just a pretty easy, um, you know, low cost way to start engaging on that front evaluation if you've never, you know, done that exercise before. Yeah. And so the other great bonus that you have is that if you become part of the Business Owner Transition Academy, and we've got a cohort that starts in August, then this valuation assessment is included in the cost of the cohort itself. So on the first day that you show up for class, not only do you have your valuation assessment, but you also have an in-depth exit evaluation that talks about the major value drivers of your company and also takes a look at your personal readiness for transition as well. And so remember that this is not just for those people that are within a couple of years of selling their company or transferring their company to their kids or transferring their company to their employees or doing an ESOP. It's also for those companies that are mid-stage that want to get better. They want to be able to respond, not react to a unsolicited offer. And heck, you may have capital requirements where you're trying to go out and generate additional capital from the banks or other sources. 
And you need to have this information so you can acquire that capital. So working through this process is great for everybody. The Academy gives you those uh, tools and tips and tactics that you need to be effective in this. And then, of course, the consulting piece of what uh, what we all do, you know, Mike and our other colleagues do to work with our companies can help you across that spectrum as well. So, again, we've got a new cohort coming up in August. The valuation assessment is part of that. So if you want more information on that, you can go to mike.dewitt at theowneracademy.com. That's mike.dewitt at theowneracademy.com. Or you can just uh, email me as well, mike.quinlan at theowneracademy.com. So thank you for spending time with us today. For you that are watching, uh, we appreciate you being able to look on YouTube and be able to see the charts and graphs that Mike showed. For those of you that were not on that or just listening on the podcast, go ahead and download that sample report. I think you'll get a lot out of it. So Mike, thanks for being on the show today. Hey, my pleasure, Mike. This was a lot of fun. All right, guys. And we'll see y'all next time on the Business Owner Transition Podcast.